Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23 will begin in verse 13 today. If you've looked at the title of the bulletin, it looks maybe a little bit strange. It says, uh, Jesus hates empty religion. And uh, it's kind of odd for us to hear those two words together. Jesus hates. You know, Jesus loves me. And we like to think about the love of Jesus, the love of God. But Jesus was very, very angry with empty religion, with the hypocrisy of the Pharisees and the scribes the Sadducees and all the religious teachers. Um, and he still doesn't like empty religion. I almost said Jesus hates religion because uh, in today's society we, have, we sometimes divide the... When we use the word religion to basically just mean empty religion, oftentimes... But yet the Bible does speak of a a true religion. James says true religion is this, to visit orphans and widows in their distress. So there is a a right religion. And and Christianity, you know, some say that Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. Well, James might beg to differ. There there is a religion, but it's, it's not an empty religion like the one that Jesus condemns. No... The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they misunderstood the Scriptures and they led people astray. They were hypocrites to the core. Let us not be like them. Let's go ahead and read our text beginning in verse 13. It's a longer text today. Beginning in verse 13, it says, But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make one single proselyte. proselyte, And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much of a child of hell as yourself. Woe to you, blind guides who say, If anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift on the altar... That makes the gift, the altar, I'm sorry, I skipped a line. The gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. 
And whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin. You have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the, that the outside may also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but when within they are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that you may come upon you all, may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, your word gives us life. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to obey. Lord, give me grace and strength. Give me grace in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a change of audience as we begin this text. Uh, last week, we kind of looked at the first 12 verses of the chapter, and, and he was talking about the same people. He was talking about the Pharisees, but he was talking so in the third person. He was talking about the Pharisees and the scribes, but he was talking to the crowds and his disciples. And he changes in verse 13 from the third person talking about them. He's talking to, he says, you Pharisees and scribes. He's directing his speech to the Pharisees and the scribes. Were they present there as a part of the crowd? Is that what he was doing? Or was he saying this in the second person for dramatic effect in front of his crowd, uh, the crowds and his disciples? I don't know. 
But for whatever reason, he changes the perspective and he speaks in this form of a woe. Um, Ron read this woe from the book of Habakkuk. We see another woe, extended woe passage in in, uh, Isaiah 5, which we've had as a a responsive reading before. And a woe can can be a a couple of different things. One, it could be, uh, alas, a kind of a compassion. And it can also be a condemnation. And what Jesus is using this here is it's a condemnation. Woe, condemned are these scribes and the Pharisees, the hypocrites. He repeats this seven times. Woe to the scribes and the Pharisees. One of them actually, he says, woe to you blind guides instead of scribes and the Pharisees. But every other time he says, woe, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. And he describes their sin. We'll look at each seven, each one of the seven. First of all, he says, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. This right here is about the Pharisees and the scribes' response to Jesus. Jesus, the one who the Scriptures foretold, the one who was the Messiah, the one who was going to make the way into the kingdom of heaven, when, and, and the Pharisees and the scribes tried to shut that door. They wouldn't allow people to come to Jesus. And when people were trying to come to Jesus, they would, they, they would push them away. So the first thing, the first sign of this empty religion is that they they didn't accept Jesus for who He was. They had a form of religion. They, They meticulously followed the law. They did all these things to show how religious they were. And last week we saw about how, how they, they, they put phylacteries in front of their faces so that they could be reminded of the Scripture and they put it on their hands and all these things. And yet, when the Messiah came, the one who, who all of those things predicted, they shut the door. Don't have anything to do with this guy. Second, for you travel across the land and uh, to make uh, the sea and the land to make a single proselyte. Now, proselyte would be a convert, uh, and particularly, um, you know, when, when someone who was a Gentile would become a Jew. Um, they, they would have to be circumcised. The males would. They'd have to be circumcised. So they, they would go, they'd travel across land and sea. They would, they would make great efforts to try to convince people of their position to make a convert. And probably it wasn't just a convert to Judaism. They wanted to com- make them a convert to Pharisaism. They wanted to, to, uh, to convert them to their, their particular position. Their view of Judaism. And yet Jesus here says, when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. They're just teaching them 
to be hypocrites. They were, te- he, they were teaching these converts into Judaism or these converts into Phariseeism just to continue to be hypocrites, just like them. To reject the Messiah. They're making them no better off than they were before. And they think they have something better than what they had. And it's just as empty as they ever were before. Verse 18. He goes on here in this next section from actually verse 16 to 22 and talking about swearing an oath. About swearing an oath on the gold that is on the altar instead of the altar itself. And this may sound familiar because he talks about the exact same thing in the Sermon on the Mount. Here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes the point, let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. What the Pharisees were doing was they were... They were making all these different distinctions about, well, first of all, people were already abusing oaths. They were already abusing oaths. And so the Pharisees, being the good law keepers that they were, wanted to try to give some regulation to it. And so by giving some regulation to it, they would say, well, this is more binding, but this is not so binding, and all of that kind of stuff. And they were missing the point of Scripture. Jesus cuts it down to just let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. Don't swear by anything, Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount. But just let your yes be a yes and your no be a no. They were looking for loopholes. It was hypocrisy. Verse 23 says that they tithe mint and dill and cumin. They've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Again, they were rigid, rigid law keepers. The tithe was to, uh, to give a part of the harvest, to give um, part of the, the, the produce that they would grow and and there were debates among the rabbis about whether you also had to do herbs. And these Pharisees, they were so meticulous, they said, yes, we're going to tithe even on the herbs, mint and dill and cumin. And Jesus says, He doesn't say, you shouldn't do that. No, He says, you should have done that and not left out the weightier things. And by weightier, He's not saying the harder things, but the heart of it all. The heart of it all. The whole thrust of the Old Testament. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. Jesus says here. They were meticulous, meticulous law keepers, but they missed the point. They didn't seek justice. They didn't seek mercy. And they missed the Messiah. They missed the point. You could say they lost the plot. Verse 25, You clean out the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and indulgence. You ever go to the counter or the cabinet, pull out a cup and 
you pour yourself a nice little glass of milk and then you look at the cup before you take a drink and hopefully it's before you take a drink and you <laughs> and you and you look at it and you see something floating in the oh it didn't come clean Jesus he says that these Pharisees they've washed the outside of the cup it looks all clean on the outside but it's not clean on the inside Inside, it says it's full of greed and self-indulgence. Living a life where everything looks good on the outside. Living a life in front of people. People look at you and think, that guy's got it all together. But inside, it's full of greed. A life where you try to make everything look like you've got it all together. For the sake of greed. So that you can scam people. For self-indulgence. Everything's all about me and what I can do. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside may be clean, may also be clean. Notice what he says here. He doesn't say, clean the inside and the outside. He says, first clean the inside of the cup so that the outside would be clean. We can't be saved by moral reformation in our own effort. We can't be saved by cleaning up our own life and trying to look good in front of people. We're saved... And we're truly changed when the inside is changed. And when the inside is changed, it flows to the outside where people can tell. And Jesus says in verse 27, For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones. You ever, you know, it, it, uh, you make a, a tombstone or a, a tomb just look nice and beautiful and everything, and you think, oh man, but you wouldn't say, I want to live there. <laughs> On the inside, just remember this tomb. Although no, no matter how much how how good it looks, on the inside, it's just a graveyard. It's just death, and that's the life. That's, that's, that's the heart of a hypocrite. It may look good on the outside. It may say all the right words, do all the right things in front of people, but on the inside, it's a graveyard. Full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Verse 29 for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in the shedding of blood of the prophets. They look at the ancestors, their, their fathers, so to speak, which remember Jesus told 
the crowds last week, don't call any man your father. They say, we wouldn't have participated with our fathers. And they build monuments for them. But they say, we wouldn't have participated with them when, when they killed the prophets. We wouldn't have participated with our fathers. And Jesus picks up on this and He says, you testify against yourself. You witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. We're not like our fathers. Jesus points out, yes, they are your fathers. And you are their children. And you act just like your fathers. Because while they persecuted the prophets, killed the prophets, you, the Pharisees and the scribes, are going to kill the Messiah who they testified of. Jesus says, fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. He calls them snakes. He calls them a brood of vipers. And I think this is big. It reminds us of Genesis chapter 3. When the serpent of old tempted Eve. And after the fall, God said to Adam and Eve, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. He says to the snake, he says to the serpent, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed, but he will crush your head and bruise his heel. This first promise of the Gospel, this first promise that a descendant of Eve would one day come and crush the serpent's head. And what Jesus here is saying is that these scribes and Pharisees are the seed of the serpent. They're showing who they are. They're not sons of Abraham. They're the seed of the serpent. They're the ones who oppose God and oppose His anointed one. They oppose the seed of the woman who came to crush Satan's skull. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men and scribes. Just because they're the seeds of the serpent, Jesus still sends them prophets. Grace. Grace. He sends them people to tell them, to warn them of the wrath to come. And how do they respond to the prophets and wise men? Some of whom you will kill and crucify. And some of them you will flog in your synagogues and persecute them from town to town. And he changes the tense here. Will. Future. After the resurrection, Jesus ascends to heaven. Pentecost takes place. The, the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit. Persecution comes and they spread rapidly. And you've got the same dynamic where the seed of the serpent the scribes and the Pharisees, the ones who oppose Jesus are opposing His messengers. And we see the martyrs like Stephen and others who were killed. So some of them you will crucify. 
We think of uh, not just the Jewish people, but all of those who were seeds of the serpent, who opposed the Christ. Peter one day, tradition tells us, was crucified upside down because he, he, he couldn't bear to have the same kind of death as his Lord. So that on them, uh, so that on you may come the righteous blood, the blood, the righteous blood shed on earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of the Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Now that kind of is difficult to make sense. We got to get Abel. He was in the beginning, the first murder that took place there in Genesis chapter four. Who is this Zechariah? Scholars kind of debate this. One view, remember that the the Hebrew canon is not arranged in the same way as the English canon. And the Hebrew canon ends with Chronicles. And I believe it's at the end of Chronicles where this Zechariah is killed. So from the beginning of the Old Testament all the way to the end of the Old Testament, all the blood of the righteous that was shed, it's on them. It's on the scribes and the Pharisees. It's on the seed of the serpent. It's on those who opposed Christ and His message. And Jesus finally says, Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. He's talking about things that would happen to His disciples, those who were there. The seed of the woman the seed of the serpent, in this struggle from the time of the fall. We see the struggle throughout the whole Old Testament between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And finally, Jesus came and the religious leaders in the New Testament represent the seed of the serpent. They said, we have Abraham as our father. Jesus calls them a bunch of baby snakes. There is this separation, this line in humanity. You have those who try to clean themselves up, make themselves acceptable to God. Or those who just oppose Jesus outright. There's no difference if you don't have Jesus. You could look all good on the outside, but you're no different. So, our closing words today, we must not be like the Pharisees and the scribes. We must not be hypocritical. We must not focus on the outside and getting everything all right. We focus on the heart. Focus on the inside. Don't try to present an image. Instead, share where we struggle with one another. Confess our sins to one another, and He will heal us.
Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.